I think as a student, especially coming in, you're early in on it, you don't really know a lot about your personality, things like that. The values that you have and trying to stick as much to the things that you know are right for you is going to help guide a lot of that. You found Wolfpack Career Chats, and this is Marcy Bullock from the Career Development Center at North Carolina State University. I'm the creator of the podcast. Welcome to season four. This season will focus on versions of you, who you were, who you are, and who you will be, and we'll have exciting guests explore their journey. We're all still cooking friends, so no one put a fork in us yet. Enjoy this episode. Today, I have Victoria Cameron. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Marcy. I'm so glad you're here. And you know the theme of this season, and we're kind of winding down our year, which is crazy how fast this year has gone. Yeah. So our theme is I was, I am, I will be. So tell us a little bit about you with that as the backdrop. All right. Well, hi, I am Victoria. Lots of people call me Tori. Um, but I am Victoria. It's weird using my, my full name sometimes, but I am Victoria. I was a student at Marist College. I had the opportunity to go there, be a Goldman Sachs tech scholar and major in information systems, minor in computer science, pathway in quantitative studies, and just have a wonderful time both in and out of my major. Currently, I am an HR generalist focused in on technical recruiting. So I have an awesome time getting to bring people into the world of my company and finding the right fit for the right position. And in the future, I will be working on a bit more of a course, really a workshop that I want to have all about branding and especially for younger students or people that are early on in their career, ways that they can start identifying their individuality and talking about, as you guys have been discussing, versions of you. So that's my personal story. That's who I am. Super excited to be here. (laughs) This is amazing. All right, so I'm, ta- I'm calling you Tori now. I'm officially going to go with the, the short name and the nickname. But this is so cool about personal branding because I teach classes at NC State, which helps students, quote, adult, just transition to the work world. And it's so different now than it was pre-pandemic. Like my title is Director of Professionalism. And I'm kind of like, what does that actually mean now? What's your idea of bringing your authentic self to work and really showing who you are with your brand? But you're in a professional atmosphere. Talk to us about that. Yeah, and so this was difficult for me because I am not necessarily what you would have seen in the profession that I was heading into. The goal, as soon as I learned what it was, was to become a project manager. My brother-in-law is one, and it was the coolest thing. I learned more about it when I was in high school. I was like, I want to get into technology. I'll make a bunch of money. I was so excited about it from the perspective of all this stuff that I'd be able to do with it. But then I get to to applying to school, I get going to school, and I realize that I don't look like a lot of the students who were going to be in in technical majors. Young African-American female, I'm very smiley, very chatty, always been able to, to be a bit more social. So when I start taking classes and I'm working with people and, and a lot of my feedback was, you can tone it down a bit. I, I was nervous that I was never going to be able to bring everything that I had to the work that I was doing. This didn't mean that I was never going to do that work. It meant that I was going to have to find a way to do it that was going to be meaningful for me and adjust you know, what that professional environment was going to be by saying, I am who is doing this role. You need to accommodate more to me than I need to accommodate to it. And the 
process of that was a lot of like digging my heels in and saying like, this is what I want to do. Even applying to the school that I was going to apply to, I was private university and stuff like that. And I was nervous about the cost, but I was like, it's going to happen. I'm I'm going to go there and ways will be made that, that I will do this thing. So sticking with that, getting scholarship, things like that, I was able to do it. But of course, and then I'm in this environment and, you know, professors are looking at me asking if I'm in the right place, stuff like that. So I needed to make sure I stuck with with what I wanted to do and knew that it was what I wanted to do and that I was going to bring that whole self there. I think as a student, especially coming in, you're early in on it. You don't really know a lot about your personality, things like that. The values that you have and trying to stick as much to the things that you know are right for you is going to help guide a lot of that. Even if you don't know that it's one of your values, if you ask yourself the question, am I comfortable with this? And you start realizing like, no, I'm not. I don't like the way this is going. This doesn't feel right for me. This doesn't feel like it's serving me or accommodating me. That will then be your determiner of if I'm going to stay here, I need to make this different. So even when you're not necessarily sure, figuring out what would make it better for you, how is it going to optimize you and give you that greatest good, your, your maximum satisfaction in any case. That is such a great answer. There's a lot that I heard you say about how people didn't look like you, no. you know, you use this word chatty. I often use the word feisty, which <laughs> I've, I've been told oftentimes like, Hey, can you turn that down a little bit? And I'm a little bit further along in the decades than you are. So I have, I have learned to say like, my voice is important and it's going to be yes. heard. And from your generation, I just, I, well, what generation are you, if you don't mind sharing? And because <laughs> we've got four generations in the workforce and how do they all get along? So 1998, is that X or Y? I think you might be a millennial. Okay, cool. I always consider my age group, anybody that's that's in that 97, 98, 99, we, we're a little bit weird. I kind of consider us the Vine generation, if anything, because like Vine is the determiner for so much of what I was doing in my teenage years. So that's my weird tangent on that. I, oh. I, I, you're talking so, about social media, the Vine, yeah, before so TikTok. Like social, the, the social media that was most important to me when I was coming up was Vine for some reason. So and now I you're officially was, like from the from the teenagers. Now they're like, wait, what's Vine? Yeah, what's Vine? And I and it's all the TikToks now. And I don't know any of the dances, so I'm I'm old now um, to them at least. But I'm like, I'm literally like not that old anyway. You're literally um, in your mid twenties. Literally, so, so this is. I have to just say, like, I always call your twenties your trying twenties, where you get to try lots of things, <laughs> and it feels very trying. Okay, so yeah. I'm in my upper fifties, so we definitely like. I could be your mom, and yeah. from that standpoint, we're in two different generations. So that's why I want your opinion about this thing that you just said about like bringing your whole self and what yeah. that means with baby boomers, with millennials. It's mm-hmm. all so interesting to see. Yeah. So I, I thank God that I have a, a good relationship with my parents. So my, my parents are in your age group. And I think having a great respect for them and what they've been through and, and what they had to do to get me to where I am. When I got into the workplace, I brought that respect to the people that I was working with. Specifically in my roles at my first company, I worked at Lenovo. The group of people that I was working with generally were some subset of older males. So to say like, hi, I am literally the color pink. Like I am just bubbly. I'm chatty, feisty. 
And I'm going to come into this environment where there are, you know, a bit more buttoned up older males. But to come to them with the respect that I had and this understanding of, I can learn a lot from these people. It, it just made the experience all the more meaningful because then I wasn't just, oh, I work with them. They're, they're my coworker. I'm now developing this relationship where I'm learning more about their personal lives, some of their own struggles, what they've gone through, the advice that they really had to give. There's so much wisdom there. So I think if anything, a lot of my generation can probably stand to understand that there's, there can be positive there. And because oftentimes, instead of those good relationships that I saw, some people will just see the friction. And there can be a lot of difference in how we do things. You know, I, I've seen people are like, well, there is a new system for it, but I'm used to using the old one. So I still do this instead of moving forward. And that can be frustrating to my age group because we're like, get with it, adopt things so quickly. And I think we take for granted that we're so used to those technologies. We don't necessarily appreciate the fact that some people didn't grow up with a computer in their home. So yeah, so just the the pieces of it that I oftentimes seeing coming into play that, that can be trouble or where those those frictions can come in generally does just come from us not necessarily appreciating where other people are coming from. Can the older generation stand to do it with us as well? Yes. Like we are very prone to change. We're very excited about new things. We want the latest, the greatest. We're excited when we're able to adapt. It's what's made agile such a, a positive me- methodology in a lot of the work that I get to do now. So yeah, trouble can sometimes be even older generations now meet us where we are and, you know, become a part of the activity and the excitement that we have now. But I get it, you know, you, you get older, you don't necessarily want to be flipping off the walls and, and doing the TikTok dances with with the, the interns. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for just learning to meet people where they are. And I do think that the thing that makes it easiest for me is just kind of the respect piece of it. If we can come in and say, yeah, we're different generations, these, these four generational groups that are, are in the workforce now. Yes, that is so real and so true. But if we respect each other as peers, even though we may not be on the same level, but if I just say, hey, you're just another person and I can meet you as a person, then yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be more dynamic. We'll be further ahead because we're appreciating that difference instead of just saying, oh, he's different, you know, can't do anything with it. Yeah, I love the word you used, respect. Tori, yeah. that, that is a word that just, it, it's strung a chord with me from the fact that we respect the Gen Zs. You know, it's not as though we're going to look down on them and say, oh, you're negative, 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 whatever, like fill in the blank for whatever <laughs> stereotypes people will say. But at the same time, like I've seen stereotypes and ageism in the workforce where people may not feel relevant and may not feel like they are worthy. And we're all just humans. We're all just trying to figure this thing out where we want to be respected and we want people to respect us. And when you talked about these buttoned up older males and you coming (laughs) in as this young African-American woman that's, you know, got all the excitement and enthusiasm Tell us a story about where that might have clashed and and some advice on how to handle it. Goodness, I can think of a couple of of me, especially because I was I was new to the team. It was my first job out of college. So there was a lot that I was learning. But even with that, there was a lot that I knew I probably had a good level of expertise or experience with because I of what I was bringing to the table. So I wasn't counting myself out, but sometimes that imposter syndrome comes in and you're like, 
maybe I don't know as much as them. So I'm, I'm trying to just follow along as much as possible. I don't want to be ruffling too many feathers too soon. So I didn't. And I can think of one of my early projects that I was working on where I was doing it individually, essentially, but then I was bringing it to the team and just kind of asking them for their thoughts and opinions. Essentially, yeah, no. So I, I do one of those check-ins. It was a computer program. So the goal was to zip it up, wrap it up, and just make it so that you could throw it on any device, open it up, and it would be able to run very conveniently. Rather than agreeing with me, my manager at the time was like, no, that's a bit too fast. Like, that's a bit too too easy. And maybe they'll want to change something. And I'm like, I don't want them to change something in the, the, the program that I wrote, the, the code that I wrote, because it works this way. The, the goal is for it to be simple and that they can just put it on their system and go. So he was like, no, no, because you know, Maybe they want something else that there's variety there. We've got to, we've got to leave room for that. And I'm like, but I'm not going to be here to troubleshoot with someone if they mess up my code. Um, and that was really my bigger problem was I was like, I created it. It works really well this way. It was still customizable. You just weren't going to have to interact with the code. With, with that, if anything, I felt like I was making things simpler because not everybody knows how to, to do the, the level of programming that I was doing. So, so now more people could have access to the program with this simple file that you throw it on there, you can execute it and, and still be able to do what you need to do. So there was a little bit of back and forth there, lots of push that I was now giving because I, I felt so strongly, you know, no one's going to tell you your baby's ugly. Like I was like, this is my, my project. I love it so truly. Like I, I didn't want it to change. So long story short, instead of continuing the back and forth, I got the, the next level of person in essentially. So the next level person comes in and I'm like, hey, you know, I don't want to be rude or anything like that, but I see a lot of value in making a simpler way for us to run this and making this more accessible. And so with, with all due respect, I really do truly think I'm coming up with a better solution for more people. He sided with me and was like, let's move forward with it and, and have it run that way. And it created wonderful code, this great program that was going to add really great value. So long story short, it all did work out for the best. But it was hard when, you know, you, you create something, you you do know that you're doing something that's really cool. And someone says, eh, we do it this way. And you're like, no, but we can we can add value to it. We can we can change it. So from the value add perspective, I had to go to the next level up. Somebody above who I was working with had to say, yeah, no, this this is going to be good for us long term and see that bigger picture. So hopefully it changed the person I was working with's mind. Hopefully, you know, now he he can see things from that perspective. But honestly, had I just let it go and been like, okay, yeah, I'll scale back. I'll, I'll just do it the way that we normally do it. My job was to come in and make it better. So I, I came in and made it better. It was more sure. than what they were asking for. But honestly, I, I'm not going to feel bad for performing at my best when, when, yeah. when that's what you asked for. <laughs> well, and in that scenario, Tori, it's really interesting because you believed so passionately about it. And like you said, it was your baby. And you, what I would call jumped chain of command from the standpoint of, you know, your supervisor had kind of given you the stop sign. And that was frustrating because you really believed that what you were doing was the best approach, the most efficient, it's going to save the company money. And how did that person deal with it at that point? Because also piece of this question is, when is it time to leave? If someone just is giving you the stop sign all the time and you just don't agree on things. So I'll say it's going to vary case by case. So essentially I had a manager for the project and a manager that was kind of my overall 
manager. So the manager for the project, I was working with him short term and things were great. We were, we were doing really well communicating as, as, as best as possible. It was 2020. Everything was virtual <laughs> at the time, but still it was really great. Everything was good. It was just this one thing. So thankfully I didn't have a large case of, of getting a lot of that pushback, but that does happen with, with some people, they come into their role and they are getting a lot of this larger pushback. I think the first thing for me to do was really more so that, that internal check of like, okay, what's really going on here? What are the facts of the situation? Is it that I feel as though this person is doing this? Or is it really, no, yeah, I'm, the facts show I'm getting pushback on this a lot. Doing that internally, checking in with other people. So whether it was asking other members of the team or other people that I'm working with and saying, hey, is your project manager kind of being a, a, a bit more like pushback with you? Like, are, are you getting a lot of no's? Is your creativity you know, being stifled in that environment, figuring out what other people are seeing. Maybe it's company culture, you never know. Next thing you know, you realize, oh, they, they don't change anything here, which is a problem in itself. But that, that wasn't the case that I was in. So I was like, okay, what am I, what am I seeing here? What's going on? So it was just kind of gauging that, checking that inside of myself, you know, don't, don't jump the gun, but also don't leave yourself in silence for too long. Assuming that everything is a me problem or saying, no, it's just because I feel that way. Like, no, wake up, look at, look at what's really happening. If, if your mom would say someone's being mean to you, then yeah, someone's being mean to you. <laughs> right. And it takes a lot of courage to do that, to, to get over the imposter syndrome, to think, yeah. oh, this person knows so much more than I do. So that was such, such a great example. And I guess with the Gen Z's going into the workforce, what would be some things that you would tell them about what they should think about in terms of just I use this phrase now, reinventing professionalism, like they can reinvent it because they're the future leaders, but also there's people that maybe have some experience that they should also be thinking about that they should, you know, not be disrespectful, I think is the way you worded it. Tell us more mm -hmm. about that. So, and I'll go back to this particular case, even when I ended up meeting with the, the other manager to say like, hey, I really do think that the project is on a good trajectory. We should do it my way instead of the way that we would normally do it. That was a meeting I had with all three of us. So it wasn't going good. over somebody. It wasn't going good. around them. It was making sure we can all be on the same page. And that may be scary, you know, like when you send out that first email where you know you've attached like every human being and you're like, am I bothering everyone? Like it, it can be very scary, but honestly, no, because I wanted to have people that were my stakeholders, anybody that mattered to it. I'm like, nope, you need to know what's going on. This is where we're at. So when I had that meeting, it was all of us. It wasn't going around somebody or, you know, I have separate kind of conversations. I'm a very open kind of human being, especially when it comes to business. But it's like, I never want someone to do that to me. If somebody went around me on a project, I'd feel slighted, especially if it, it was short term. It's like you come in here and you do this kind of thing. Again, it, it's just disrespectful. It, it's not the, the right way of going about it. So again, respect, big piece of it. And then making sure you're you're doing right by everybody that's involved. Not to say that every single action you do needs to go through six levels of clearance, but like, you know, do make sure you're you're keeping your management and, and the people that you work for aware of what you're doing. If only so that they always know that you're working on something. I think there's a lot of the, I don't necessarily know if my company values me. And that is something I do think Gen Z can make sure they're doing a good job of is making sure whoever you're working for knows what your business value is, adding value. And there's a 
part of my my workshop that I'm working on that's called useful code. And more than just code, it's also useful anything that you do. So what I do is going to be a value add. It's going to be a useful sort of thing. Like I, I do it and I do it in a way that's going to add value to to the people I'm doing it with and for. So yeah, so that is going to be one of the biggest things. Reinventing professionalism is the, yeah, I'm the youngest person that's in this group, but I'm saying we need to have a meeting. Um, I'm putting that foot forward. I think probably one of the worst things I did when I started out in my professional career was being very timid and saying, oh, well, if they wanted to meet with me, they would meet with me. Oh, I'd love to meet that person, but I don't want to bother them. And I shied away from doing a lot of those things and taking ownership of who I was and and what I could do in those situations, simply because I was like, oh, it's just me. And I didn't necessarily see myself as an equal player in, in the team environment that I was in. So that would be another thing of just like taking taking that ownership, being a big part of it. And then on top of that, oh, goodness, it's so hard, but time management and I, I'm, I'm, I fall prey to it as well is simply just not taking the time to do things in a timely manner is, is making sure you're on top of your stuff so that you can get it done. I'm on two extremes, either hyper-organized and everything's getting taken care of and I have these perfect weeks or everything is behind. I swing in either direction, essentially, of either really on it or not on it at all. So I think that that's one of the biggest things is keeping discipline and being very timely, very organized and trying to be as consistent with it as possible. So instead of saying, every week is either 100 or zero, maybe every week needs to be 50 for a while. And then I can get to every week being 80 and and, and work my way there to to being at my 100%, whatever that means. But yeah, staying consistent and, and disciplined and consistent is going to be way more valuable to you than working really hard at some points and then falling prey to burnout. And now you you can't be at your best for a number of days. And when you notice you're approaching burnout, don't just keep burning knowing when to stop yourself and say, I need to take a mental health day, I need to rest, I need to recover, or I need to talk to somebody because clearly my workload is not what it needs to be so that I can perform at my best. So I think those are my biggest things is maintaining the respect, um, work, working with as many people as possible, not being timid, go out there, get whatever information you need and know that it's like, I am allowed to research, I'm allowed to ask, I'm allowed to be the new guy. And then just staying disciplined, stay consistent, you, you'll keep working at it, and you'll get better at what you're doing. It's, it's going to make you more efficient over time. So, so yeah. <laughs> Those tips are fantastic. Because yes, with the burnout, people feel there's this badge that they need to get where it's like, I'm burning the midnight oil. And oh, my goodness, I'm, you terrible. know, <laughs> it does, right. And so I think your generation and the Gen Z's are definitely going to redefine that aspect of, you know, there's even companies now that say you can take as much vacation time as you want, but people don't take it because they're like, I don't feel like, you know, I'm going to be valued. And if I leave and just re-energize myself where I can give back to other people and do better work, people might judge me. So how, I think as our last question, I'd love you to give some tips for students about how to pick the right organization that matches, you talked about values. Gosh, that's hard. If, <laughs> if we had that, I think everyone would feel better. So I ended up changing careers more so because my values changed and what I wanted changed. Like I said, I was on the route to project management. I was working as a technical client advisor and ambassador with Lenovo for, for B2B sales. I was I was on the way to, to doing that. And then my, my value shifted. And I was like, this isn't necessarily what I want to do anymore. 
which is now this journey in the making of I, I'm looking at 15, 16 year old Victoria and saying, hey, we may not become a, a, a project manager at the end of all of this. Are you OK with that? And saying, yeah, that, that's OK. So I, my value shifted. I wanted to, to start working in HR. I wanted to start recruiting. So yeah, it was wild to say that, that this is what I want out of life now, not what I thought I wanted. So the values of I'm going to make the money, I'm going to be the, the businessy business person, I'm going to be, you know, a game kind of person to no, I want to help people. I want to put people in jobs and solve the challenge of, of the right person for the right position. Even the company that I work for and the the efforts that we support our mission, it's it's very different from from the work that I was doing at one of the largest computer manufacturers in the world. <laughs> um, so it, it was kind of a shift there. The reason that was possible and the reason that both of those jobs were wonderful for me, but in two vastly different ways, was the the value piece of it for me and knowing what I wanted out of it. So. When I was going to go to Lenovo, they put me in a rotational program. Laser was the rotational program that I was in. And it was lovely to be able to see a couple of different aspects of the company. I would have wanted to see more, honestly, just because those rotations were so, so cool. My values were getting to see the latest and greatest technology. And that's what I did. So essentially, knowing what I wanted to get and then having those companies asking those sorts of questions and and figuring out what that is. So when you do your interviews or when you're reading a website, when an HR person calls you and to be able to say, hey, I want to know if I'm going to be working with the latest technology. I want to know if you guys have a mentorship program. How long do I have to be there before I'm able to get a mentor? How often am I having one-on-ones with my manager? What's the process look like for moving up? Knowing those kinds of things that are your values will create the questions that you're going to ask. And when an HR person asks you, do you have any questions at the end of an interview? Please have those kinds of questions. It shows us that you're interested and that you're passionate and that you want to know something from from what we've been working on and that you actually might care about how well we will align as a company. It's not just about me hiring you. It's about you picking us as a company. So yeah, so taking the time to do that. Then I wanted the new work that I was doing and, and moving into HR with Chameleon Consulting Group much smaller company. So that was something that I wanted. My One of my big questions was, how big is the company? How interconnected are we? Because that was something I started feeling like I was leaving. Um, I was just in too big of a pond at that point. So I come to this other company, I'm like, how interconnected are we going to be? And, and that's a really big part of Chameleon's culture. So the value shift created the questions I was going to ask. And I could tick a company off my list based off of those value questions, not based off of salary or or benefits. It was off of if it's going to truly be a right fit for me. And, and that's what created the the right fit every single time. My older sister, Naomi, she was chemical engineering major. So two of us had similar sorts of tasks and she was at a, a bigger company as well. And she had that same conversation with herself of, is what I'm doing right now lining up with my values? Is this what I actually want to be doing from a value perspective? So I think if students started doing that and taking that time to say, what do I really want out of a job? And they are making that same choice, same way a company is picking you, you are picking us. So start getting picky, start getting selective, hold an HR person's feet to the fire and say, no, really, like, what do you do for your early career hires? Because early career hiring is totally different than somebody that's been in the industry. Like if I've been in the industry, I may not need as many of those resources, as many of those check-ins, as many 
balances, checks and balances on what does my first 90 days look like at, at this company? So taking the time to really make sure that they're going to have a structure in place that's going to support you and be what you need is going to be a really, really big deal. So that's a very long answer for you. <laughs> that was a great answer, though, because what you said in that is listen inside your body to do you feel fulfilled? And it wasn't about the money for you at that point. It was about doing something that was meaningful. And so I'm so proud of you for making that change. Thank you for inspiring everyone today, Tori. Absolutely. I'm happy to do it. And I, I'll say thank you for giving me the platform for being able to do it. NC State is fantastic school. I appreciate so much of what I get to see you guys doing in the community. So 